For your awareness, this episode contains the following subject matter, drug use, drug abuse, and sexual assault. While we do our best when discussing to warn when this specific content comes up, please keep this in mind while listening and take care of yourselves. Thank you. It's tough being a teen, and it's even tougher when you're saving the world, but still have to be home in time to finish your algebra homework. On today's episode, Charlie is concerned about the misuse of NYPD resources, Mikey shares something very near and dear to his heart, and we both talk about the background of the team and Young Avengers special number one. And welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I go by they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. This is episode number four. And I know everyone's probably going to get sick of me saying it, or maybe not. But thank you, everybody, for everything that you're doing. <laughs> Just listening. Yeah, we had a lot of folks uh, saying nice things about the episodes or who caught up last week and then listened to all three of our episodes and... That was really great to see, and thank you so much once again. Yeah, I know I sound like a broken record, but we also have a few folks that have stopped by our Discord channel and have had good little bit of goof in there, so that's been a lot of fun to see folks talk about comics, because like so often, even on Twitter, comics discourse can get wrapped up in you know a lot of voices being very excited. I mean, it's bad? Well, not even necessarily bad. It's just like, it's difficult to have a conversation, right? So it's nice to, it's nice to find places where you have a good conversation about comics. No, I agree. Whether on Twitter or off. I agree. Thanks also to everyone who's tweeted to us at Young Ones Cast on Twitter. Speaking of good conversations, we've had some really good conversations with folks there. Yeah, it's a good place. Like, if you want to, like, say hello, you can always... You can actually add us there. Yes, <laughs> um, absolutely. Absolutely. Even if you're tr- going to give some guidance, some gentle guidance in the right direction um, for something maybe we overlooked. But also, I'll be more than happy to talk to anybody there. You also know where to find me otherwise. But thank you. Um, we've got lots of followers. It's just Your guys are just kind of coming, and that's cool. Yeah. You had to have gotten here some- there somehow, so clearly you're listening. Yeah. No, it's been really nice. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, everybody who's listening and continuing to listen and going on this um, interesting journey with us. <laughs> so sorry about the last episode. It was a doozy. I've had people come and like tell me about, is this really something that happened in this issue? And I was like, yes. Yes, yes it is. Unfortunately. It's going to get better, I promise. This week it actually got better. Well, <laughs> to a degree. To a degree. I was going to say to a degree because this issue is still a little rough yeah it's it's got a lot of heavy content in it but there's a lot of good stuff here too i think as we go through this issue because this is a long issue i forget the page count exactly but it's a pretty lengthy one yeah it's a special yeah so i think on the whole the material that's here it's tough and it's rough to get through but on the whole it's better and i think the characterization is better yeah we come out the other side of this special knowing a lot more than we did when we stepped into it, which is 
obviously what you want when you're trying to build up a team. And since we're eight issues into a 12-issue series, we're not counting this. This doesn't actually, this is not a numbered issue, but it connects. It's a lot, got a lot of connective tissue between where we left off and where we're going next. One thing I do want to talk about before we get into the comic is, I don't think we talked about it last time, the new Marvel animated feature-length film. Well, actually, we've had two animated feature-length films that have been announced uh, since this podcast started. So we have Marvel Rising, which okay. they're describing as an animation franchise. I don't know to what extent they're going to continue past the feature-length movie. Maybe it'll be like vignettes. Maybe it'll be like little side stories. Yeah, yeah. I watched the storyboards that they had so far, and it looked like a lot of fun. I liked the style that they had in the storyboards. Like, Marvel's had a problem, I think, having all of these characters that theoretically you could use to jump people onto the comics, if that is their end goal. I'm sure they have a multi-tiered marketing strategy and all that other mumbo-jumbo. But if they want to bring young readers into the comics, I feel like the animations that they've had have been good. Uh, all the Avengers stuff has been good at bringing the minor characters in. But I don't think they've really then had comics that kind of support that as a jumping on point with the possible exception of Squirrel Girl. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Because I feel like that was a good jumping on point for new readers and was also like written to an age category or demographic that suited kids that were jumping on from animated shows like it wasn't you know super violent or it was just a lot of good fun the others not so much like i think marvel girl or miss miss marvel sorry is a really good jumping on point too like that's also written really well for young readers but other than that there hasn't been a whole lot so i'm hoping that them kind of having this initiative or animation franchise or whatever they're calling it will be good to kind of bring some of these heroes into the spotlight and let people see all of these characters that have just kind of been in the comics and people that read comics have been big fans of them, but hasn't really gotten past that kind of like niche audience. Um, And one, the reason I wanted to bring this up is one character in particular, and we tweeted about this, Patriot was announced as being in the show, or movie, rather. I don't think it's Eli, my friend. Yeah, they didn't give his name. His name is just Patriot. I don't think it's Eli. They haven't given his name, which is weird because they've given the name of almost all the other characters. I'm going to let you in on this, and I've been out of the circle for a little bit, but uh, there is a new Patriot, and it's not Eli. Oh, is there really? Yeah. When when did that get announced? Secret Empire. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, no. Which would I've... have been an amazing time, right? Which would have been an amazing time to bring Eli back as Patriot. Yeah. But now it's just someone else. And I'm not discrediting whatever that is. Whoever that is, I'm not. But this is Patriot. But Eli Bradley's Patriot. Did they just create a new character? Yeah. What? I don't know much about, I don't know much about him. I I can't speak to that. Yeah, I'm looking at him now. He's also, like, an adult, which is odd. You can't see me, but I'm shrugging my shoulders. (laughs) I just, I, for the life of me, don't understand the decision between, or the decision of not naming him, like, one way or the other. Yeah, that's a little strange either way, exactly. Like, I don't know what's happened. 
Like, I, I have some theories about what's happened to Eli. Like, in regards to, like, dropping him completely from anything. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves because he's <laughs> yeah. still around. He's still very much around in the books we're reading right now. Yeah. I just wanted to bring it up because it's, like, on the one hand, I had a bunch of joy because it's like, oh, but then they yeah, refused to name him and it's like, hmm. Slowly drift away. Yeah. Like all of my, all, like all of my joys, except for a couple. I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm still glad that it exists. I'm still yes. probably going to watch it. I'm glad to see America and Squirrel Girl and Ghost Spider, aka Spider Gwen, in it. I think Spider Gwen was like the last thing that I really read, actually. I went back and read all of it after. No, it's very good. It's yeah, very I went good. back and read all of it after Secret Wars. It's very good. But I digress. You digress. Everybody digresses. I don't think that's how you use that word. No, it's not. I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> anyway, this is, as I mentioned before, Young Avengers special number one. It is basically an annual. Let's talk about what an annual is for folks that might not know much about comics terminology. That's true. So an annual is basically a story. Most of the time, I'd say it's an out-of-continuity story. So it's just basically a one-shot, if that's a better you know term for you to, to use. And it is kind of telling its own self-contained story. You know, on an ongoing series, there will usually, usually be at least one annual obviously one annual a year so it's something that comes out yearly with an ongoing series so with this volume of young avengers this was the annual for it but they just decided to call it young avengers special which they do that sometimes they'll just call it something else yeah so i think like some other notable annuals i know the marriage between luke cage and jessica jones was a new avengers annual that makes sense i know because i own that issue there's a couple other annuals where it's like we want to tell the story of this character in great depth also, of note, they tend to be longer than a typical comic book. I yes. think a typical comic is like, what, like 20 pages? 20 to 23 pages. Yeah. So this special that we're going to be reading today is 36, which is quite yep. long. That's like a double size issue. Good, good content. And sometimes they'll call, be called double size issues like or like something like that. They used to change names like all the time. Like, back in the day? Yeah, I think also X-Men 500 or 600 was... 600. 600 was a double-sized issue, was a special. Yes, it was also Uncanny X-Men 600, and we haven't had an Uncanny X-Men since <laughs> yeah. that. That's okay. So some, and some, some of these annuals and specials tend to have a bunch of little stories, and some of them have one big story. So it can be telling a specific event or a specific character story, but it can also be a bunch of little vignettes. Uh, which is what we'll actually see today. Yes. If we need to catch up, the Young Avengers have kind of dissolved. They had been not necessarily disbanded by Captain America, as he tried to do several times, but they all came to the realization that Eli had been taking mutant growth hormone since the inception of the Young Avengers to become a super soldier and had lied to the entire team about whether he had superpowers or not, and he quit. He quit the team. So right now, there are no Young Avengers. But for our purposes in the book here, we're still talking about all of those characters. Thankfully, we didn't get any like horrible tagline like, next, Young Avengers disassembled. 
because that would have been bad. That's true. I'm surprised I didn't do that. So I will do a another quick roll call for you. So we have Patriot, who is Eli Bradley, and he supposedly was a super soldier, um, descended from the first Captain America, but we have since learned that he does not have any powers whatsoever. Then we have Wiccan, who is Billy Kaplan, and he is a magic user, and he also has a ability to wield lightning. Those two things kind of go together, but we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. We also have Hulkling, who is Teddy Altman. He is a shapeshifter who has super strength. We also have now, I will count him as a member of the team, because I'm going to need to shortly. But we have the Vision, or Kid Vision, who is actually... He doesn't really have an identity or name of his no, own yet. because he's actually Iron Lad's armor that had had the Vision program uploaded into it. And then copied his brain and patterns? copied his brain patterns onto the armor. So it is kind of Iron Lad, but it's also kind of the vision. And it's kind of a big mess. I don't. I'm a bioengineer. That's not how brain patterns work. Sure it is. But, you know, you can't like take an EEG and then somehow magically get someone's personality. But it's um, 30th century technology. So we'll roll Wait, with it for yeah, right now. We'll go with it because it's future. And then we have Kate Bishop, who still doesn't have a code name. She is Kate Bishop, but she has a spiffy new purple costume and a bow and arrow and still has a sword. So she is not Hawkeye yet. And then last but not least, we have Stature, who is Cassie Lang, who is Scott Lang's daughter, uh, was exposed to pin particles and can grow very large or shrink very small, like Giant Man and or Ant-Man combined. That's the whole team. Or as we know it right now. Yes, exactly. And then we also had, speaking of Iron Lad, we had Iron Lad, who was a young version of Kang the Conqueror, who came back from the future to stop Kang the Conqueror from being a bad guy. Time travel is bad, kids. He is now, sadly, departed once again for the future because he realized that if he stayed here, it would cause uh, time discontinuity and life as we knew it would cease to exist. Yes. So he's gone, but he will be a specter still looming over this issue, as we'll see. So I just wanted to bring him up so everyone's up to speed. No, it's good. He was a member of the team. Like, he he played a big part of this, and he is going to be a- hanging around for a bit, even if he's just in some panels. Yeah, he's sir not appearing in this issue. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so for... Young Avengers special number one. Let me give you the creative team. So the writer is once again, Alan Heinberg. He's going to be writing all of this. But we've got, since it's a series of vignettes, we've got a little bit of a diverse creative team. So we've got Michael Gatos, who probably is most famous for his work on Alias, which is the comic where Jessica Jones was introduced, as we mentioned in previous episodes, um, with the colorist for those pages being jose uh, villarubio then we've got neil adams and those pages are colored by justin ponzor gene ha on pencils for some other pages colored by art lion and then with some other pages by jay lee and the colorist is june chung um and then we also have bill sinkevich who's probably most famous for his work on new mutants new mutants yeah uh, which is a x-men derivative team as 
is probably able to be discerned from the fact that it's called Mutants. <laughs> and Justin Ponzar also colors those pages. And then last... But certainly not least, we have uh, Pasquale Ferry. And those pages are colored by Dave McCaig. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say right now, I think that last is certainly least. <laughs> hey, we'll get there. But I wanted to be gracious. I know. No, everybody's doing their best. And that's all we can ask for them to do. Well, maybe their best. Who knows? Deadlines are a thing. Work gets hurried. That's not a dig at anyone. Also, I know, like, production schedules for comics are kind of ridiculous. We've mentioned, like, people being really busy. There's, I don't think it's really an issue for any of The Young Avengers Volume 1, but there's definitely books out there where you can tell that it was really busy because there'll be one page that's, like, super detailed, and then the rest of it is just not. Or, like, if it's a monthly book, it'll start out really nice, and then the quality will slowly degrade. And that's not even a dig at the artist. That's just, like, art is hard work. Art is hard. Exactly. Yeah. No, can't be more simply put. People don't give it nearly enough credit either. No, not at all. Which, again, is why we like to credit the whole creative team, everyone involved in an issue. Be- we do start that being this- said, yeah, let's we look do at start- the cover by Jim Chung. <laughs> I always you try keep to trying to go. You're trying to go. You're, 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 you're like ready to go but we need to we need to stop and take a look at this beautiful cover first because i love it it's very good it's got everybody kind of showcasing their powers and i think this is the first time or one of the first times where we see everyone's new costumes because the last couple issues were not drawn by jim chung so i don't count that as like being a really good look at their new costumes even though it is the first time we saw them because the art isn't super great for those. And the covers for issue seven and eight, which we covered in last episode, didn't have the whole team. The first issue had the team in their civvies. And then the second issue only had Eli. So this is the first time we're really getting to see all of them in all of their glory. And it's a really good look, I think. No, they're a very good picture of a team that doesn't have matching costumes, but there is a centralized theme. Like, even if it doesn't seem that way, it, 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 it just all goes good together. Like, Eli's Patriot outfit with the small domino mask is such a good look for him. And even Kate's Hawkeye outfit, like, the Gen 1 Hawkeye outfit, like, say what you will about, like, the exposed midriff and arms. The side boot costume? Yeah, but I don't mind it. Like, you know what I no, mean? No, I don't. I, I don't mind It depends it. on who draws it. Some yeah. people have definitely drawn it as being, like, very much more scandalous than it had any need be and, like, with extremely much side boob, which is kind of where the joke came from. But I think Chung does, like, it's the kind of costume that a teenage girl would design for herself. I can see that happening. No, I can, I can see that as well. With the sunglasses? she's also got, like, absolutely. a really, yeah, she's got her sunglasses and her really cool, like, long anime scarf that's, exactly. like, around her neck, but also, like, a sash that trails off, and it's yeah, whipping no. in the wind dramatically. I like it. It's good. <laughs> it's good. And we see, like, Teddy's a really cool, like, zip, zip cover, like... With a turtleneck? With this turtleneck under it, which is, like, this really cool like gold orange color it, like, he has like the cool stuff on the he has like this patterned um like silver material um up and down the sides, the sides of the legs yeah. up to his arms he's got that yeah, good paneling good. on it and mm-hmm. like he's got good gloves on that also don't break when he gets big but that's cool <laughs> um and then so i think probably 
of the people that had a costume before, Billy's is probably the most radical change, I think. I agree. But I agree. it's for the best, I think. I so he's ditched. I do miss the headwings. The headwings were extremely good. But he's ditched the satchel, which did kind of feel like a little kid that is carrying their lunch with them everywhere they go. Um, also, when you can do magic with any degree of certainty you don't really need to have a satchel because you can just put it in like magical hammer space right yes yes you can he's doing his blue magic hands he's exchanged the head wingies for a headband that uh our good friend fan of the show anna landine i believe described as a naruto headband yes which is definitely true he's not wrong but it's yeah. not, not wrong, but so also... So it's engraved with some, like, swirl patterns on it that yes. are really cool. He's got this really cool tattered cape, because every magic user needs a tattered cape, and that's exactly how Billy thought about it, I'm sure. Yeah, but also, there is no one in the world that can't convince me that it is also a Vincent Valentine cosplay. Uh, <laughs> it also looks like that, yes. Uh, Vincent Valentine of Final Fantasy VII, like, the headband and cloak that Billy has is a exact replica, almost, of the ones that Vincent Valentine wears. You can't see them here, but he's got some, like, he's got some cool gauntlets that have, like, yeah. like this red this red gem or what looks like a red gem on them. Mm-hmm. Really great. And then the vision is, like, phasing on the other side of the picture. Yeah. He's also got some, um, Billy's also got some cool, like, panels and... Uh, detailed bits on his belly, which again, you can't see here on the picture, um, and also on his legs. And the pattern there kind of matches the pattern on his, his headband and also kind of mirrors uh, Teddy's cutouts because they both yeah. have cutouts that go from their uh, arms down to their their mid-thigh. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And then we can't see much of it, uh, but Cassie's in the back with a domino mask and a very practical... One piece jumpsuit, yeah. yeah, a very practical jumpsuit with a a little like collar that kind of splays out um, around her neck, like a like a tracksuit jacket almost. Yeah, and it's red and black, and it's 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 also like it's 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 very practical, but it's also just a very good design. Yep, and it's it's reminiscent of her dad's costume as well. That's always good, and like I said, the vision is like phasing into the staircase, but also through Eli's leg. <laughs> Yeah, in case you didn't know, uh, I don't actually know if we mentioned it in our intro, but one of the Vision's powers is phasing through material. If, they, if, um, you've, seen, if you've seen an Avengers movie uh, with the Vision in it, you know that the Vision can phase. Yeah, but I don't want to take any of that for granted. That's uh, true. That's, that's good comic knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, at the end of the last issue, we, as Charlie mentioned, saw the young Avengers break up. So we start off with our good friend Jessica Jones at the Daily Bugle and our reporter friend. Well, I say friend is kind of a loose term. She's not Pat a friend. Farrell, She's not a friend. Yeah. Holding up a uh, newspaper that says Young Justice? Question mark Again, keeping this repeating theme of like them on on the front page of a newspaper. And I can't believe that Young Justice here isn't like a subtle nod to the DC team of Teen Heroes Young Justice. Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's not my wheelhouse, as we will see. <laughs> we open up here to this Daily Bugle again, and Jessica's actually on the phone with Luke, the Luke Cage, and she's asking him to pick her up. 
and a nosy nosy cat feral is in the background asking her like like hounding her about this issue um of the newspaper that she's got and what happened with the team and is what they said happened to eli true was he on drugs and maybe cassie lang can tell her all about it if jessica won't and this is such a this is so bad like she Pat is feral has a severe case of fomo and she needs to sit down because she's being extremely rude and no one wants to deal with her. There's a reason why you're being cut out and it's because no one wants to deal with you when you act like this. Yes. And I can't, like, she just throws Cassie's name out there because obviously she knows that she's stature and Jessica is like, excuse me, basically, to that. And... Kat says to her that if she doesn't get them, like, get the story and get the Young Avengers to talk to her, that she'll go after them herself. So basically she blackmails Jessica into, like, rounding up the Young Avengers and, like, getting their story. And it's like, you're going to go after kids? Like, you know what's hilarious to me here? That Jessica Jones has not been a career reporter. Like, this is her new job after leaving the private eye business and Alias. And Kat Farrell as far as I know, as a career reporter, she's acting like she works for the the tabloids and Jessica's doing, like, her actual job. Exactly. This is not TMZ. This is not how we do yeah. things. That's just an oh, extremely bad look for Kat, and I'm done with her. And I'm just done. I've dropped her. Yeah. She's gone. Um, yeah. <laughs> but she's not gone, gone, but... That's why Jess, like, points out Cassie's 14. Like, leave her alone. <laughs> Exactly. Like, leave them all alone, especially, and especially Cassie, because actually we go to the next scene where Cassie is talking to Jessica, and basically Jessica tells her that Kat knows that she's stature, and there's, like, a really funny line at the front here. Cassie says, well, will she just tell the world who I am? And Jessica says, well, it doesn't mean anybody will believe her, Cassie. And Cassie says, the way nobody believes that Matt Murdock is really Daredevil. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, there's like this ongoing gag. I feel like other than maybe Spider-Man, Daredevil is the one Marvel Comics hero who has been unmasked and remasked the most. Like, to the extent that Matt Murdock invented a fictional brother, I believe, Yep. to Mike. take the alias of daredevil away from him like i can't deal with this anymore i'm gonna invent a whole other person and say that he's actually been daredevil the whole time only in comic books can you get away with that <laughs> yes you know that's bad enough when someone actually knows your secret identity and you're 14 and jessica tells her well maybe you could just you know have a normal life and stop being giant girl she calls her and then cassie you know, corrects her to stature and she goes, Cassie kind of goes and recalls why she wanted to be a superhero. And we cut to Stark. Before we do. Yes. They're eating fries and Coke here. It's, I just want to congratulate them on a very solid choice. Yeah. Like it's they're good. at a diner eating some fries and drinking Cokes. I bet it's real, tastes real good. Good old greasy spoon <laughs> stuff. Now that's what I want. Thanks. Thanks a lot. But <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. We we cut to Stark Industries in a flashback as Cassie kind of alludes to, you know, what made her want to be a superhero. And we see that she visited Stark Industries what seems like maybe almost every day. Like, 
while she was supposed to be at school, wanting to talk to Tony Stark about what happened to her father. Or at least the details about what happened to Scott. Obviously, we know that he was killed. But she wanted to know the details. Yeah, so she's been visiting Tony Stark's office every day. I feel like Young Avengers thus far is just a series of recurring gags about people becoming superheroes because Tony Stark wouldn't get back to them. Because <laughs> no, we saw the same thing with right. Iron Lad. That's your absolutely And right. he was just like, I want to ask Tony Stark for permission because he's kind of the art, like, he's not the leader of the Avengers, but he's definitely the person that funds them. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't want to have anything to do with Cassie either. Yeah, and we see here that Tony, like, hasn't returned her emails, and she's been emailing him, and he obviously hasn't come down to see her, and Cassie's mom basically, like, shows up, and they have this whole conversation about the fact that Tony Stark is not going to talk to her at all, and about their family situation, and it's just not good. Yeah, this is, like, this is the awkward thing when you have, like, a mom blow up at their kid, like, their teenage kid in the middle of, like, a grocery store. Yeah. Like, when you're standing in line to check out, and you're like, I can't get away, but this is just happening in front of me, this, like, train wreck, because the faces, the concerned faces on the front desk attendants, like, definitely have that, like, oh my god, why do I have to yeah, deal with exactly, this? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm sure they deal with a lot of weird stuff, but this is just, like, ugh, it's bad. Yeah, family drama just being laid out because as cassie says she all she wants to know is how her father died and her mom peggy is just like it's an accident like she's content to just let sleeping dogs lie which everyone deals with grief differently but what her mom isn't understanding is that this is how cassie deals with hers like she needs to have answers exactly and then it only gets worse when her stepdad shows up yeah I really like the framing on the last panel of just her and her mom with Cassie on the left asking, don't you even ever think about dad? And Peggy on the right and then Scott Lang's face on a mural in the background in between them is really good. It's really good. But Blake, the stepdad shows up because stepdads make everything better. Yeah, I've just written on a sticky note in all caps, wow, fuck off. Uh, Because if you don't remember, Blake Burdick... I think. Yep. He's a cop with a very bad mustache. And he hates superheroes. And I hate him. Yes, and I hate him too. Um, I dislike him quite a bit because he basically tries to strong arm Cassie into going to school. And, you know, arguably that's where she should be. But also, like, she's really trying to just, like, figure herself out here. Basically, he, like, tries to, like, grab her arm. Like, when she sits down and refuses to leave. Yeah, because she's like, I'm going to sit here until Tony Stark talks to me. And then one of the front desk attendants even says uh, that Mr. Stark called to say he was on his way down. But Blake refuses to have it and tries to, like, grab her bodily. And she's like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and she pushes him backwards. It's just like this whole thing because she told, she, basically he was like, your father was a convicted felon. And Cassie's like, my father paid his debt to, to society and became a hero. And by the way, you're not my dad. Yeah. And by the way, you're not my dad. Exactly. And then her mom slaps her across the face. Well, cause what she says rough. is, so she's like, my dad paid his debt to society and he was a hero. 
So Blake is like, well, just because I don't have powers. And she's like, you're here with me chasing 14-year-old girls and, like, using your police connections to find where I am. Which, by the way, is extremely creepy. Like, that's not serving society. That's serving yourself. And that's when Peggy slaps her. And Peggy says, don't talk to him that way. And so Cassie goes, fine, I'll never talk to him again. And then he has three other policemen that he brought to apprehend her? His stepdaughter? Like, wow, cops suck. Yeah. It's so gross. Like, if I hated him before, I hate him even more now. Because he's just like, like, I understand that it's hard to be a step-parent. Especially when you're not the one that's loved. But, like, he is not doing anything right here he is not endearing himself he's not trying like well he's trying in what he thinks is his way but it's like the gross authoritarian way which is not he's trying to like make good with her mom yeah like you can't force someone to love you that's not a thing that can happen no that can't happen even if you have magic right that's it's the genie right yeah you can't actually wish for somebody to love you but anyway cassie says that that night she packed up her things and decided to find a new home but she actually saw the Young Avengers on TV, and then that was the same night, you know, back several issues ago, that she discovered that she had powers because of those pin particles, and she f- said she found a new family instead. Yeah, so it's when a we- very important found family yeah, story. Yeah, found family's good. Again, we talked about how a lot of this brings things full circle, so this kind of brought full circle when we saw her in front of the hospital and she met Kate for the first time, kind of had a backpack on her shoulder and looked a little bit disheveled, it was because she'd actually, like, had all of her belongings and was going to run away from home. So that was where we saw yeah. her, was trying to find a place to stay while she was running away from home. And she did find a place to stay. Well, yeah, for a she little did. bit. She'll, she, she, yeah, she found uh, some people to stay with, but Jessica asks her, you know, where would you have gone if you had run away? And Cassie tells her Los Angeles. I read about a group of kids there who left home when they found out their parents were super villain- supervillains. Yeah, so if you didn't know, that's an allusion to another teen superhero team, the Runaways, who are now in their hit TV show on Hulu. <laughs> yes, but are also a comic. Yeah. That's what's going on back then, but it's still as actually going on now too. yeah it had a revival but it kind of preceded young avengers and brought in this kind of new age to have these young hero stories again at marvel because it was the precursor there and had teens and their life and their relationships with each other yeah and we basically go back to cassie saying that she's feel like she's lost the young avengers now because they lost iron lad and now eli is on the outs with them and and don't know about everybody else basically Jess says, well, why, is there any part of you that wants to have a normal life? And she said that her dad never had a normal life and never wanted one. And she grew up with her dad. Yeah, exactly. And then most importantly, she turns around and asks Jess, did you? And it looks like Jess doesn't really know how to answer that question. Because if there's one thing you should know about Jessica Jones, it's that she has a lot of self-doubt. And it, it makes a lot of sense why she does. But as will become clear throughout the issue this is a lot of just examining places of herself that she doesn't really want to think about either because she was also a young superhero and went through a lot of really terrible stuff yeah this is as much a character study about jessica jones as it is about any of the kids which i think is really cool right and that's why i think it works really well that michael gatos is doing 
her pages because it really like reinforces that it's Jessica's story because that's the art style that's so, you know, synonymous with her. We go and we we kind of cut away from Cassie and Jessica to kind of the next part of the story, which is all about Teddy. And so he leads in with, if you think about it, there's no such thing as normal. Normal doesn't exist. Every single person on the planet is entirely different from every other person on the planet, which means you can be average. You can even be typical, which is a, it's a really good lead in. Yeah. <sighs> this is a little, this is a, this is a story, my friends. <laughs> yeah. So before we go into it, Teddy's story is one that's always hit me personally, super close to home. And I don't know if it's because it's about like grappling with an identity because Teddy says there aren't suicides of teenagers because people want to be typical. They just want to be normal. They just want to fit in like more than anything. And until recently, so did I. So I don't know if it's because I'm trans and this is a story that grapples about identity or because it's one about just wanting to fit in, which is something that I struggled with a lot when I was growing up. But this story has always hit me particularly close to home. And yeah, so let's let's dive into Teddy's story. Yeah, so we get some panels of Teddy's narration here, you know, and we get the background locker room shot about how it was always painfully obvious to him that he was different from everybody else. And he figured if... Oh, I was going to say the first shot of him here is him as kind of this like skinny, short nerd in this gym class locker room. With, you know, all these, like, brawny guys and whatnot. Then we see him actually shapeshift to mirror them, basically. Yeah. And And he said, but it was even more obvious that I was different because I could change myself to look like them. Because uh, what he did is made himself look buffer because Greg Norris was the captain of the basketball team and class president and then became Teddy's best friend. Again, this is like kind of the gay and to a certain extent transgender thing of like, do I like this person or do I want to be them? Yeah. And in this case, I think Teddy is grappling with that question. And so his answer is like, well, I'll try being like him. Yeah. And it's actually seen that he tells Greg about him being a shapeshifter and basically says are we okay or are we cool and greg says are you kidding teddy we're unstoppable and that's already bad yeah so it's it's gonna get into just kind of forewarning it's gonna get into a lot of like gaslighting and manipulation from here on out yeah uh because right away there was nothing they couldn't do together Teddy could become Johnny Storm. He could become the Incredible Hulk or Tony Stark. He could get them into places they weren't able to go before. All because, you know, he was infatuated with Greg and Greg was just using him. And And so that kind of all comes to a head when we see he and Greg outside Avengers Mansion, which is, you know, dilapidated from the fact that, you know, there had been all that nasty stuff happening there and yeah and we see the avengers disassembling on the tv in the background yeah and he's teddy is uh has you know shapeshifted into tony stark at this point to get them past the gates um with greg's you know pushing him onward to do this and it's clear that teddy has a reverence for avengers mansion like when they go in all that Greg is interested in doing is basically stealing stuff from him. Yeah, like Teddy, 
he's try he's still kind of trying to hide how much of a nerd he is even even here like he's looking at it and he's like it's captain marvel and rick jones and greg is just like who like what the fuck are you talking about and teddy's kind of like low-key losing it because it's almost you know it's all these things that he's dreamed of and kind of read about his entire life and they're right here in front of him and as we learn all greg is concerned about is stealing the memorabilia that's left in the rubble of the avengers mansion if you remember us talking about Avengers disassembled. This is Avengers Mansion is rubble at this point because the attack has already happened with the Scarlet Witch and whatnot. So um, he even shows off his super strength to Teddy does to lift up some rubble to let them in. And Greg's like, you have super strength? And Teddy says, I told you. And he says, no, you didn't. What else haven't you told me? Greg says immediately suspicious, which should be warning signs flashing in your head. But, you know, sometimes when you're young and you, you don't think about, like, the bad stuff. You only want to see the good in people. Well, hell, even when you're not young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, a- absolutely. For sure. So Greg says, you already steal people's faces, their identities, and Teddy maintains it's not the same thing. And Greg says, maybe not to you. And Teddy tells him to put it down. And Greg says, or what? You'll call the cops? Who do you think they'll believe? The class president or the mutant scroll? And Teddy goes, I'm not a scroll. And Greg says, don't tell me. Tell the cops. So Teddy says, put the stuff down and I'll let you leave. And then turns his hand into this horrible, monstrous claw. So. And then, yeah. And, and Greg's basically says, have it your way, freak. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you steal people's identities. And Teddy says, it's not the same thing. And Greg says, maybe not to you. Yeah. It's because you manipulated him. Like, because you're gross. Yeah. And you want to read Teddy's narration on the last page here? Because it's very good. Yeah. So Teddy says. I was a freak, and I'd spent my whole life hiding, trying to be the same as everyone else, but I couldn't hide anymore. And, and so we see, we see him actually see Iron, well, he thinks it's Iron Man, but it's actually Iron Lad who has, you know, come to the disassembled, you know, the disassembled mansion here. Um, and he tells him, tells him such. Yeah. And so Teddy says uh, in the background to Jessica, and the irony is the things that made me different are the same things that made me a superhero. And we get a panel of them taking down Shocker, who was the villain that they had taken down in the newspaper spread on the last... Issue number seven, yeah. yeah. The start of the last arc. He's so good, y'all. Teddy's so good, though. Teddy is very good. And like I said, like, it's... It speaks a lot to me because, again, like, my they don't ever say it explicitly but my headcanon here is that teddy absolutely had a crush on greg and just couldn't articulate it as someone struggling with not only um his own identity as you know the shapeshifter and not really knowing where those powers come from having super strength and also dealing with you know being gay like some people some people just know what they are like right away but for others of us myself included it's something that it's kind of just like this sense that not everything is quite right. And even when you know the right words and you hear people talk about it, it's difficult sometimes to take what people talk about as being gay or transgender or, you know, bisexual or lesbian or whatever and put that and make that your own experience. It's like, well, those are those people out there. I couldn't ever be this. So that's like, I know I'm spending a lot of time on Teddy's story. But it is because it's, it's very one important that very, you, that's very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Oh, it's good. And everybody should take a second to maybe read it if you want to do that. But 
that's the end of you know Teddy's vignette because this is cut into several parts. Yeah, because they're Billy and Teddy are together at together a park, the park is where yeah, Jessica where finds talking them. To Jessica, exactly. So because of course to they're, together. they're together. Of course. So we get Billy's story next, and we don't have an interlude because you know they're telling the story together, mm-hmm. and you know that's kind of what Jess asks asks, "What about you, Billy?" And he tells them, I never really had a problem with being different from other people. It's other people who have the problem with me. And we, you know, see a very dejected Billy. And this is before Avengers disassembled. So the Avengers mansion is very much standing here. In Billy's story. Yeah, I I don't know when this takes place, but definitely I think he's supposed to be in like middle school here. Yeah, definitely before any of the bad shit happened. So we see him, you know, looking... You know, got a white. black eye. He's got a bloody nose, a split lip. He's in a bad way. Yeah, he was clearly like beat up at school. And yeah. as he's staring at the gates here, he sees or she finds him. Uh, she actually <laughs> runs into someone who sits down on the bench outside of Avengers Mansion next to him and asks him if he's all right. And she, he tells her that she's he's going to be OK. And she's super concerned, you know letting you know that he's bleeding and he thought that he actually stopped it stopped bleeding but he said he kind of got got a nosebleed he kind of got punched in the face repeatedly yeah so she takes out a tissue and hands it to him and you know she asks him why and he says because he's different and she says a mutant and he says i wish and she tells him no you you don't believe me being a mutant only makes people want to punch you more and then as he turns and looks and she takes his face in her hands I'm sorry. This is just so good. Um, yeah, we no, it's so see, We finally see that um, the woman that's been talking to him is the Scarlet Witch. And Billy tells, says out loud <laughs> that um, she's his favorite Avenger. And it's just so good. And then he and then he follows that up immediately with, I can't believe I just said that out loud. And she tells him not to worry about it. And that she, that she won't tell She-Hulk if he won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so sweet. It's very good. Especially because this is like... A lot of people remember Wanda the Scarlet Witch, especially around this time, as being, like, the crazy one that tried to destroy the world. But that's not really who she was. And arguably, she never really should have been that. Yeah. But that's another story entirely. Wanda here is, you know, this is her at her most herself, you know, as someone that that cares. Like, someone that would stop. She's in, like, a tracksuit, so she was probably running or something. But yeah. she stops to take care of this kid, um, who, by the way, has an Avengers patch on his backpack. On his backpack. <laughs> yeah. And she gives him a pep talk about, you know, what to do when you see the bully at school tomorrow. And, you know, Billy kind of goes back and forth with her about how he's going to run away, you know, just walk in the other direction as quickly as possible. And Wanda tells him, no, you're, you're going to stand your ground and you're going to show him you're not afraid. And he keeps bringing up. That he's afraid, but if he had powers, he wouldn't be afraid. It's just, I yeah. love this. So Wanda, Wanda says, you do have powers. You, everyone has some gift. Something they do better than anyone else. And Billy says, I don't think my keen analytical skills are any match for John Kessler's simian strength. So I plan to stay out of his way. And Wanda says, in my experience, the more we do what other people want us to, the more we get into trouble. Be yourself, and the Kesslers of the world can't touch you. And Billy says, despite all physical evidence to the contrary. And so she, she says... She, she boops him on the nose. 
and boops him on the nose and fixes all of his bleeding and bloody nose and cures him, heals him. Basically says, stand your ground and see what happens. And he, and and it's so good. And she kisses him on the cheek. This is very good for lots of different reasons. Yeah. But we can't go into that until. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to this. Don't yes. worry, we'll come back to this. We'll we'll bring it up again when it's relevant, promise. But, you know, Billy tells, you know, Jess asks, well, did you stand your ground? And he says, of course not. I figured out Kessler's schedule and somehow managed to avoid him. But in doing so, Kessler found another punching bag. Maybe I couldn't stand up for myself, but for someone else. And we see, you know, Billy intervene in this, like, bullying situation. And, of course, this bully, you know, says... Why is he your boyfriend, Kaplan? Because yeah, so so Billy's been avoiding him, but when he sees someone else that's become the new punching bag du jour, he can't help himself. But you know, he doesn't even try to fight his internal sense of justice and gets up in his face and says, tells it, tells Kessler to get away from this boy. Yeah, and we see Billy's sarcasm, uh, his snarky attitude, as always, but it's almost more like. We see here, like, he's developed his sarcasm as a defense mechanism. Yeah. Because Kessler asks, why? Is he your boyfriend, Kaplan? And so Billy goes, is that your way of asking if I'm single? Because you're not really my type. And there's a whole, what did you say to me? And Billy says, I said, get away. And we see his eyes glow. And he basically says, the Scarlet Witch was right. I did have powers. But the first time I used them, I lost control. I almost killed somebody. So basically that whole situation with the lightning probably didn't go so hot. Yeah, there's there's lightning everywhere. Poor Billy. Unfortunately, the Scarlet Witch wasn't around to make it better this time because the Avengers and the mansion were gone. So I guess it wasn't middle school then. It was no, like it was shortly between. before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy, that <sighs> Then he we see him once again on the same bench in front of the now wreckage of the Avengers Mansion. And we see, once again, the same weary, tired expression on his face, but for an entirely different reason this time. And we see, once again, someone come up and ask if he's all right, but instead of the Scarlet Witch, this time it's Iron Lad. Yeah. And And then he says that he was all right because he became an Avenger. Yeah. And it's, those two stories are just so good. Yeah. Like, I know I talked about how Billy and Teddy are, like, my personal favorite Young Avengers. I, there's That's a close run for yeah. another. But, um, you know, they basically want to know at that point, you know, what do we tell Kat Farrell? You know, she's going to do the story no matter what, so they might as well just tell her the truth. And, you know, Jess brings up, well, she's going to ask you about, you know, if the rumors are true about, you know, them being together. And, and they ask if they should tell her, and Jess says, well, that's up to you. And they ask if she ever talked to the press when she was a superhero, and she says no, but you guys are more together at 16 than I ever was, so... They think, you know, what do you think? Why not? Besides, why should North Star have all the fun? Which is such a good line, too. (laughs) I love you, Billy. Yeah. I do want to give, before we go into the next thing, I do want to give a quick... I don't know if it's a shout-out, so... Uh, this Billy's wearing like a t-shirt here uh, which kind of starts the trend of Billy wearing political t-shirts on panel when he's in his civilian clothes however I uh, never thought to look up the 
organization that he had on his shirt before. It's not a good one. I'm not going to go into the details, but I feel like the artist pulled a fast a, one. Yeah, put in a plug for something that's an evangelical Christian organization to help uh, get rid of the caste system in India. So leave. we'll leave that to to what you think of it, friends. Yeah. But I can't imagine that there, there were some criticisms on Wikipedia. I'm not going to get into the whole wiki article. You can... <laughs> But it, it's it's not great. <laughs> but yeah, so let's. But, I'll just mentally replace that with like some other kind of political T-shirt because <laughs> Billy's seems to be like someone that that would be pretty politically active. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know, after that story, we cut to Kate's story next because they are you know Jessica and her are just at um, this is Rockefeller, Cent- Rocker- Rockefeller Center. In New York, because there's the ice skating rink that's mm-hmm. there. And basically, Jess is asking her, you know, if it comes out that you're, you know, Kate Bishop, you know, what's going to happen? And she says that if her dad ever found out what she was doing, it doesn't get to finish that sentence because Jess asked about her mom. And Kate says that her mom died last year. And sorry. And Kate says, me too. Yeah. So with her gone, her dad is kind of gone off and become like this this business tycoon and doesn't really give her the time of day um and kate's story here is arguably the roughest and the one that i think i have the most issues with how it's told as well well toss up between that and eli's but um we'll get into that in a second but just as a forewarning um big content warning here for um talk about sexual assault yeah you know after kate explains that her dad's kind of just been off um, and that she's taken up the bow and arrow you know why she did it is not exactly maybe why everybody thinks that she did. Mm. So we see a flashback to before the wedding of her sister. Um, so they're getting fitted for the bridal gown and the bridesmaid's gown. And so Kate's helping her sister pick out a dress. And she admits, the truth is, I've never been comfortable with my family's wealth. Kate's sister has this beautiful dress. And she asks pretty point blank like, you know, do you know how many starving families in Niger we could feed for the cost of this wedding? And her sister kind of goes, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. That's not, yeah, you know, that's not my bag. So I'm going to put this dress on. Yeah. And you're going to put this dress on and it's going to be, you know, fine. And that, or I'm going to find another maid of honor. Yeah. And that the family already gives enough money to charity. And, you know, Kate brings up with mom, we're here and, Basically, her mom, her sister says, well, she's not. Yeah. And if she'd taken care of herself, instead of running all over the world trying to save it, she'd still be here. Someone's bitter. Someone's bitter. Yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, this is, I said earlier, everyone deals with grief differently. We definitely see that here. Yeah, exactly. And, um. But despite those differences, her sister still loves her. Yeah, they do end up having a. Looks like they have a little bit of a reconcile after that. Yeah, because she says, if it turns out you actually want to spend the rest of your life in soup kitchens and women's shelters, I'll support you because I'm your sister and that's my job. And your job is to tell me whether or not I look ridiculous in this dress, which is it's it's good because it shows that like she's probably been having a rough time because it definitely sounds like she was closer to her mom than she was to her dad. But it's nice to know that her she and her sister still support each other. Yeah absolutely and 
the next panel we get, and I'm gonna read I'm gonna read Kate's narration over here after we talk about it, but it's basically cuts to a panel of of Kate giving, you know, a homeless woman some change. As and she then comes she from school. Yeah, as she comes home from school and she goes, you know, walks to the park and then we see a, a shadow a figure in the background. Um and we see that she was attacked in the park, sexually assaulted. Mm. So we don't see it explicitly here, but it's pretty clear that that's what happened. And I'm going to just read this narration because I think it's really good. My sister was right. Life is short. And it doesn't matter how good your grades are or how many hours you put into the soup kitchen. You're not safe. Bad things happen. Things you can't control. Things that have nothing to do with you. And they will destroy you if you let them. Or you can learn from them. So that the next time you'll be prepared. And then we cut to the next page kind of where, you know, she's trying to recover from that in therapy and obviously taking self-defense classes. And it goes on to say, so that even if you never feel safe again, you can do what's best to make sure that what happened to you never happens to anyone else. And if you're very lucky, you won't have to do it alone. So the last kind of panel of that, we get her as, you know, with her she's hawkeye for all intents and purposes (laughs) yeah you know with her you know mask and her bow and her arrows and i just thought even if this is not conveyed the best way that narration is still very good yeah it's and i think uh bill sinkevich does the story a real credit here by folks probably know him best from probably the demon bear arc honestly Yes, yes. So Bill Sienkiewicz, if you don't know, is an artist who tends to do very surrealist work. And I think it works here very well because even though it's more of, uh, Charlie called it earlier when we were talking, a house, more of a house style, it does so in this way that kind of everything's, the edges of everything are a little fuzzy and there's a little bit of, you know, visual allegory almost, I would call it. Like, things don't have to be 100% crystal clear, and I think it does this story a better justice than maybe any other artist that could have done these panels. Yeah. It's, you know, and then we, you know, after those pages are done, we, we cut back to Jess and Kate, you know, when Jess asks, you know, who else knows? And Kate says, just my therapist, and now you. And basically says that she shouldn't have told her. Or asks if she shouldn't have told shouldn't her. Have, yeah, asks if she shouldn't have told her, and... Jessica says, no, it's just a similar thing happened to me. Kate asks, is that why you became a superhero? And Jess says, that's why I quit. It's just so, it's, this part's really good. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of, I, I'm glad that we get to see Kate dealing with what happened to her. And I'm glad that we see her especially going to therapy. Like, I think if there hadn't been that panel and it would have just cut to the self-defense, that would have been really not great. I do take issue with the only like adult or near adulthood woman on the team having her entire background and why she came to it be sexual assault. Like I get why they're like, I feel like it's like we want to show that you can come back from it and have it be okay. But at the same time, like I know I said the art is really good, but it is literally like a man that jumps her in Central Park. And that's, like, the most cliched version of the story. And I'm very of two minds about it. And I do wish they have this short little dialogue, which is good. But I do wish we'd kind of seen more 
of Jess and Kate really having this like sense of fellow feeling. Like we do get it a little bit as they look out over the ice skating rink and Kate asks if Jess thinks that she should quit and Jess says it doesn't matter what I think. But I I don't know. It's it's I I don't I don't know that that needed it's like we can't have a tough woman without there being some kind of like tragedy in her backstory. And that's not to say that survivor stories shouldn't be told. It's just, it feels much as Eli's story last week with his drug use felt. Kind of like the, and kind of the one coming up here too. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, like this bit in specific feels like an after school special again. And, like, not everyone can become a superhero. Like, some people just have to deal with it. Yeah. Most people have to deal with it. Yeah. And I get having a positive message and showing her recovering, but it, I don't know. I just have, I have a lot of issues with the way that it's presented and it being Kate's basically whole backstory. The thing about backstories is they can be thrown under the bus and not really be relevant to characterization for a while. Like, again, I feel like the person that knows Kate Bishop the best, or at least wrote her the best, is Matt Fraction in Hawkeye, because that's, if I needed to sell Hawkeye, someone on Hawkeye, I would say it's about two people that are separated in age, dealing or not dealing with their different traumas. And that is a lot of like not talking about things or talking around things like Kate and Clint are both very good at that. That's why it's kind of funny that they're both Hawkeyes because they're more alike than they would like to admit. But here we don't really get that. We just get kind of like this tied up with a ribbon and a bow talk about sexual assault in this kind of weird after school special. And I don't know, it leaves a bit of a sour note in my stomach, honestly, as, as someone that's dealt with some similar stuff in their life. But anyway, I, I I wanted to give that criticism not just because I'm, like, salty or, oh, this shouldn't have happened, but because I feel like it deserves to be criticized. Yeah. No, I feel it. You're very much the um, person who's bringing it down to the ground level. I always I always do try and find the best thing about something and, and then like, look I, at it. Like I said, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's here, but I think there was, again, much like Eli, I think there was a way, if you were absolutely going to have this material, I think that there was probably a way to handle it that was a little less after-school special and, like, cliched is all. Yeah, I wonder how much of that we're getting because of the fact that they are teenagers. Yeah. But, you know, we're not done because we still have Eli to talk about. Arguably yeah. the one that we need to know about the most. Yeah, probably. but before we go, um, Kate does ask... So when your daughter finds out she's got powers, um, what are you going to tell her? And Jess says, I'm going to tell her, no way, she can't do it. But if she's stubborn like me, she won't listen. And if she's anything like you, I'll consider myself lucky. And that makes Kate cry a little bit. And that that is sweet. And I'm glad they have that moment. Because if anyone is going to understand, it's going to be Jess. And then we get to Eli at the end. And I'm not sighing because... I am sighing because the whole thing is just unfortunate. Like, the whole drug thing with Eli is just yeah, very unfortunate. Spoiler alert, this is more of the same. So it's going to be yeah. more stuff about drugs and about drug use. And then we find out that our least favorite person, arguably, in this issue, Kat Farrell, wants to harass Eli also. 
Yeah. Which is Which just, is I've, extra I've bad. written in all caps, why does she want to harass this boy? <laughs> he just wants to be left alone. Yeah, he does. And he's trying to be left alone, but Jess manages to find him and, you know, ask him, you know, what, you know, what's going on? Like, what happened? And, you know, just as you could tell her the truth or the other kids, you know, could say that you just don't want to be a hero. And... Eli tells her, I didn't take steroids because I wanted to be a hero, Mrs. Jones. I took them because I was ashamed. We get one really nice panel, one really nice panel of Eli with the purest, sweetest smile on his face as he's looking up to his grandpa. And I'm I'm so glad we at least get this panel because let me tell you folks, it's all downhill from here real fast. Yep. <laughs> he's so happy here. Like, heck, he's so happy. Like, they're carrying home groceries together. And... and they get assaulted by some thugs. <sighs> Let's talk about the term thug, even. Like, yeah. that's... You know, I don't want to use this term. I don't want to use that term. But it's clearly, like, what we're supposed to think of them. Yep. Which is just... It's... It's so much. And they're taunting Eli's granddad, calling him Cap. And he's just standing there staring him down because, as we learned, Eli's granddad kind of got the bad side of the super soldier serum and it left him with some disabilities. And so they're, like, taunting him and daring him to speak up and Eli just tells them to leave him alone and then break they a bottle? throw a bottle on his head. Yeah. This poor old man. Man, yeah. And she's probably like, did like more for, you know, the people of this neighborhood, like just even by existing than anything else. Like he's he's a hero, but they for some reason are taunting him. I, I don't like I don't get it other than like yeah, just like other than it needs to be there because yeah, it needs to be there. They even like they call him a slur that I'm not gonna repeat. Just because, you know, related to his disabilities and Eli is defending him and standing up for him. And he picks up the broken bottle that they threw at his grandpa's head. And basically, because of this confrontation, Eli runs into some, as he tries to, like, go back with the broken bottle, he's stopped by some apparently drug dealers yeah but first he tells his grandpa to go home and says that he'll handle this and the reflection in his eyes makes his eyes look red like the reflection of the sunlight and he's just angry the art by the way the art isn't super great here as charlie mentioned uh it's kind of it's kind of in this weird like almost anime like style but yeah it's that's probably what i was going for yeah but it's not, it, it, it's definitely not doing anything to remit, to, to, to help along what's already a, a story that's not so great in the first place. Yeah. Because as Eli goes charging back to those people, some drug dealers happen to stop also him. Also assault and, him? Like, yeah. Just leave this boy alone. And I yeah, hate everything about this. Yeah. And, and basically he says, you know, you're, you're not going to do much damage with that bottle, but with these, and basically gives them, gives him some capsules of of mgh so some mutant yeah and they they say that they're friends of yours or they'll become his friends and just because the old man's powerless doesn't mean you have to be and so eli asks how much (sighs) (sighs) yeah basically like 
I'm not really qualified to talk about how, you know, how this portrays gang violence. But I what I do know is that it's the most like simplistic, stereotypical, like, I'm gonna flat out say that Heinberg probably should not have been writing this at all ever. Like, oh, no, not at all. As a white cis gay dude, that's probably at least middle class. Like, yeah. I don't want to cast aspersions on maybe his, like, you know, what, how much money he makes or whatever. But he should not have been writing this. And at the very no. least, he did not get anyone that was not white to look at this script and edit it, which no. is a huge failing. Because yeah. it is the most stereotypical, like, law and order bullshit. And it's really bad. Like, it's We're really just missing bad. the law and order, like done done cuts yeah, in between exactly. these panels and, but like it's it's not good like no it's not and it's it, not again good. as as we said last week like who is this supposed to help like like what's like where are we going with this because we're right. really not going anywhere with it and then not only that so we cut to a panel of eli again face in shadow i hate that that's the visual motif for eli taking drugs i hate it i hate it i hate it so his eyes are in shadow. There's like these anime dark speed lines over him as he has the MGH capsules in his hand. And then he has his internet browser open and is at a web page that says the black Captain America, truth or fiction? And his grandma's like, why did your grandpa come home from the grocery store by himself this afternoon? And then Eli starts questioning her about the truth of the story of his granddad like that one encounter with these horrible people or i guess technically two encounters but what have you like this whole like half an hour period caused him not only to question his clearly he loved his granddad in that first panel that we saw of him so it's causing him to question not only his love of his family but his belief in his granddad because Clearly, he was standing up for his granddad at the very beginning, and now he's like, it's not true. It's probably a conspiracy theory. There's no proof of uh, granddad existing on the internet at all, ever. Like, all I'm seeing is, like, these horrible stories, and I've never seen him do anything superhuman, and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, why is Heimberg well, so his, bad at writing Eli? Yeah, well his, well, his grandma says, that man is nothing to prove to anyone, Eli, least of all you, which is, that's true. Yeah, but, like, I just, that one thing is going to cause you to question your entire life in, like, the space of an afternoon. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't, I don't buy it either. And, you know, we cut away from that to, you know, Eli with his, his, you know, his grandpa again, and they're playing, you know, And he asks him how his head is, because he got smashed with the bottle. And there's no problem with that. Hint, hint. And his grandpa just smiles, like, his grandpa thinks the world of him. Like, this love, if there's one thing this artist does well, it's conveyed the love that Eli's grandpa has for him. Like, yeah, that, 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 is, that is good to see. It's the one ray of sunshine in this yeah, story. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And, you know, they play, you know, what looks like maybe football in the park? Yeah, it's football. Yeah, football in the park. And, you know, his, his grandpa, like, throws the ball and throws it, like, way too far. Yeah, another he, I, he's hint, never hint. done anything superhuman, my ass. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he throws the ball, like, so far. Like, you have to, like, run across the street to get it. Yeah, and exactly. this is not the first time that this has happened because Eli says, that's okay, I'll get it again. Again. So, exactly. Eli, like, what, what? What's your problem, right? Yeah, like I get I get being frustrated and but it's just like 
Like, it's like emotional whiplash, almost. It is. It is. Of course, the ball gets thrown, and those... Same guys. Interesting guys show up again, and, you know, taunt Eli again by calling him Bucky, and, like, hit him in the face with a football, and basically say that, you know, the old man doesn't have any powers. Uh, And then we get that juxtaposed with his grandpa actually having, of course, powers, because, of course, he does. You know, kind of beating the shit out of them because they were like literally like stepping on Eli and we're probably about to punch his face in. Yeah. Um and he says, "I reached for the pills in my pocket, but the fight was over before I could take one. The Black Captain America's no myth. He's my grandfather and I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to carry on his legacy. But now, yeah. Well, and just tells them that they all make mistakes." And some of them make more mistakes than others. But that's how you learn. And, you know, she says, I have to get back to you on whether or not that's true. But, yeah, you know, one just quick because note, a good person to talk to Eli here, I think. Yeah. One quick note. This, I do love least. Michael Gatos's art, but all of the kids kind of look like they're 30. Eli, probably most of all. <laughs> it's kind of a weird look. Yeah, a little bit. There's only... A small number of artists, I think, out there that know how to draw teenagers or kids and actually make them look like teenagers and kids and not, like, weirdly small adults or, like, babies are the worst. (laughs) But we'll we'll get into that later. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they do have their conversation does kind of come to an end and, you know, you know, basically that Eli says, well, you know, let Kat for all know that I'd love to talk to her. Yeah, they do have kind of a nice moment where Jessica admits that this motherhood thing, she has a lot of doubts about and it doesn't come naturally. And Eli does say, could have fooled me, which I agree with him there because she's definitely got a good instinct for taking care of people. Probably because, you know, she's someone that's had to take care of herself for so long, gives her a degree of compassion for others in like a very real sense, not the like pasted on like oh i'm so sorry but like she's genuinely been through some shit and seen kind of the worst things life has to offer yeah so she you know respects them we kind of come back to you know the terrible cat pharrell again she's still on like do i get my exclusive did you give me all the information like give me all the information and at that point we see kind of reflection of blue light in the background of this panel here because the kids have showed up Except for Eli, but that's okay, because yeah. he said he, he he had to write a history paper. Yeah. And they ask, is now a bad time? But of course, it's not a bad time. But the end the end panels here are basically just talking to Luke about how, you know, he, they probably, he, she probably didn't convince them out of the superhero business. And she tells him that she couldn't, you know, she couldn't have even if she wanted to, but um, that she's not going to tell Cap. <laughs> so... We see, we do see in the last two panels, though, um, some kind of like hologram TV feed of Luke and Jess talking, and we see Kang the Conqueror watching it. I suppose in the future. In the future, what is this? I don't know. I put in my notes. When what the fuck is Kang the Conqueror doing here? Yeah. Also, like the Vision wasn't with them, so it's not like he's remotely monitoring them through his armor or something. He just somehow has, like, the ability to hack into the, like, security cameras from the past is the only thing I can think of. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what we're capping this off with other than the fact that Iron Lad's been a... a like I guess a, it's like Kang the Conqueror is still out there. And he doesn't yeah, like it. So. And Okay. Okay, sure. sure. <laughs> He's still scowling but, at the camera, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to give this real pouty face and cross my arms over my chest because I'm a badass. <laughs> sure. Um, sure. But that was Young Avengers special number one, and that was a lot of information, everyone. It's a bit of a heavy one. I know I was very critical of some of the stuff here, so I just want to say it's not because I necessarily think that it's bad. I just, you know, I'm, I think being critical of the way these stories, especially stories about trauma, are told is important, especially when you have an audience that you know, maybe is dealing with the same things. Like, I'm very critical of things that kind of deal with things in a dramatic fashion or, like, soapy when you're trying to be pretty honest and genuine with everything else that you're telling in the stories. So. Yeah. But I do, I do really like Teddy's story and I really like Billy's story. And I know um, last week you were talking about you can definitely tell that Heinberg favors them and I think that's no clearer than it is with this because they are arguably yeah. the strongest stories that we see of all the group. Um, Cassie's is good. I think Cassie's provides a lot of much needed background into, you know, truly how desperate she is to find out about her dad. But again, the like Eli's wasn't even like I argued that we didn't need the storyline from last week in the first place. We definitely didn't need to see how that all got started because not only can we extrapolate it out pretty well from everything else but it doesn't add anything to the character yeah and we figured out why eli did what he did like last week yeah he says cut and dry he says he does it because he's ashamed but like at the end of the story we don't know anything more about why he feels that like i guess it's because like he just can't protect his grandpa guess i don't know but that's we're done we're done with that it's it's a story for a story for for the story's sake. It's not helping Eli. It's not helping anybody who reads it. It's just it's it's a story there. That's why I get so frustrated because it's like the main point of characterization he gets, and it's just unnecessary. Okay, but what isn't unnecessary is the end of our episode. <laughs> uh, so I think we had now that we're done with that very heavy arc. And thanks for sticking in with a sticking with us, folks. I believe we had. A couple questions, Charlie. We did. We, we need did. A, we, had... we need something to call the question box. And the question it's not the question box, that's for sure. Um but <laughs> listen, it was the best I could think of like in five seconds. It's definitely not the question box. But we did have a question from The Avengers uh, Newswire. I don't know. No, that's not we're not an Avengers branded podcast. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Uh, okay. But we did have a question from our, actually our editor, <laughs> Everett Christensen, who asked us about what the deal with Billy's lightning powers are. Because they have, since this volume and as we go forward, you'll see they get sparser and sparser. And he starts using his magic more than his lightning powers. In fact, I would argue that the introduction of his lightning powers or the time we see his lightning powers here in the special is probably like the last time that we ever really see them for a good long while. Yeah. And you can't, like, you don't see it explicitly here, but Billy is 
categorized, and and it hasn't been retconned yet, that he is a mutant. So my personal theory about Billy's lightning powers is that that is his primary mutation, and the magic comes from a whole different source altogether. Now, it's spoilers about technically where Billy's magic comes from. Yeah, so we'll talk about that more uh, next week. Billy still has lightning powers because he was seen using them, like, as recently as um, the new Avengers series that Al Ewing was writing, where he did remember that Billy had lightning powers, so they're not like the only gone. person. Yeah, the only person um, who maybe even remembered that. And actually, Al Ewing pulled some strings, like, or some threads from this old Young Avengers arc and all this old Young Avengers material for some of his, like, storylines for Billy and Teddy in that book. Yeah, was- he resolved some things that had been outstanding for years and that Young Avengers Volume 2 didn't even touch on. That, like, yeah. if you were ever going to, like, come back to the Young Avengers, it was like, let me put it this way. Like, the major conflicts that we're going to talk about ne- in the issues next week are the ones that Al Ewing kind of starts to wrap up, like... What is that like almost 10 years down the line yeah 10 years later at that point yeah yeah which is wild yeah, so congratulations very good i liked it a lot <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was a really good arc yeah no it was it was very good so you know billy's powers say what you will but i'll ex- i'll explain it a little bit more when it's not spoiler ca- like spoiler yeah. territory but it is like it is a weird thing where because i guess magic is flashier and it has more applications that became the primary focus, and they pretty much dropped the lightning powers altogether. Yeah. I know some people are quick to compare Billy Kaplan to another uh, teenage witch that we'll talk about when we get to the Runaways, Nico Minoru. But they are pretty different in terms of how the, both how their powers work and the source of them, and also how they use them. So I wouldn't really say that they're the same those parallels get drawn just because they both are magic. Uh, But if there's one thing you need to know about how magic works in the Marvel Universe, it's that there's a lot of different sources that it can manifest from. And we'll talk more about that when we see more about Billy's magic next week. But yeah, I am a fan personally of the lightning powers. I wish they would come up more. Also, Same. like, lightning is just a cool thing to draw, so I don't know why someone would... As much as I like Billy's circular, glowy hands, lightning is a pretty cool visual effect. Maybe just nobody yeah. wants to draw lightning, but I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But um, there are anyway. some people. There are some people, though, that say that the lightning is a manifestation of his magic, that he just, like, that was the first thing that he could learn to control, and that was how it showed up first. I... That is not my headcanon, so to speak. I go. I also go with the lightning as his mutant powers version, but to each their own. Everyone <laughs> kind of has their yes. own idea, and it's it's That's one it. of those things where there's there's space for both interpretations because it's never really discussed. So, like they talk about, they'll talk about next week. They confirm that Billy is a mutant, I believe. Right? Yes, they do. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah, but ha- and it hasn't been retconned. It has yeah. not uh, been so- retconned. Why it would be retconned is because in current Marvel continuity, this don't well. Well, are you going to spoilers? Are you going to say spoilers? Oh say yeah, spoilers. I, oh, you were going to say spoilers. I was. This is an old story, but I will tell you there are some people that don't know 
And yeah, I'm not and gonna that's, and I'm that's, not yeah, gonna ruin true. it for we them gotta, because we, it's we can't ruin right the reveal up. from next week. So no, it's coming up and it's yeah. a good one. So I'm not gonna ruin it. Get ready. So <laughs> get ready because I can't sing this song or we'll get copyright. <laughs> yeah, don't. Got to put those the spoiler spoiler handcuffs back on. <laughs> but in any case, that has been episode four of the Young Ones, and you can find us if you would very much like to. At Young Ones Cast at Twitter on Twitter, not at Twitter on Twitter. You can add and us on Twitter at Young Ones. You can Ones add Cast. us on Twitter. You will be allowed to do that if you'd like, and you can talk to us about this episode. You can talk if to you, us about if you think hard enough and concentrate and really use your magic that's inside of you. You can add us on Twitter. Yeah, was <laughs> the power was inside you all along. Yep, <sighs> but you can add us there. You can follow us. You can shout us out on Twitter. That is uh, where I hang out a lot. Um, and you can email us at youngonescast at gmail.com where you can send us all manner of things as long as they're not bad. Don't send bad things or I'll delete them and come find you. <laughs> and <laughs> Again, with your magic powers. With my magical abilities. <laughs> also on the Twitter is a link to the Discord channel that uh, some fans of the show uh, Charlie and I and also our editor have been hanging out in uh, so if you go and look at the Twitter page I'm not sure exactly where it is but you can find a link there if you are on Discord and that sounds like a thing that you'd like to do yeah we talk about comics there it's good stuff and sometimes about Shatterstar's weird noodle hair don't talk to me about it you're gonna <laughs> no you put that down don't bring it back up <laughs> let him have his mullet in the 90s <laughs> Stop. Full stop. All right. I'm not and harshing on it even. You said noodles. I did say weird noodles. noodle hair. It's, okay. It's hair. It's like, oh, it's a perm that is on only part of his head and the rest is a ponytail. Gotcha. Solid. Yep. yep. It is solid. Don't, don't at me about it. Nobody. Unless you'd like to hear me go off. Otherwise, <laughs> please rate and review on iTunes. Please don't send Charlie off the precipice of Shatterstar head can- uh, Shatterstar cannon. No, or head cannon for that matter. <laughs> you can, but if you would like, please do rate and review on iTunes um, or Stitcher or Stitcher or Google. You don't have Play. an iTunes account. There's I no reviewing that- on Google Play. We've been over this. <laughs> it's something you can do. Something you have to be able to do something on Google uh, Play. Otherwise, it's a mm. use- useless platform, and why are you using it? Anyway, you can review us on iTunes if you would like. Uh, please. Or please you can review us on Stitcher where yeah. there are no weird region restrictions and everyone can see your review. So yes. do with that what so you will. I'm sorry if you've already reviewed and you are from a different country because we can't see your reviews and apparently probably can't see your ratings either. But um, the, more iti- yeah, the more iTunes cred you give us, the more people can see the podcast. Yeah, so we appreciate it regardless, awesome. honestly. Yeah. This is not saying Absolutely. not to. Never Absolutely. would say that. No, no, no. Please. Please do this. But <sighs> my personal Twitter is at Geneticost. You can find me there. Do not send me bad things about Shatterstar. If you send me, um, wasn't his 90s outfit so silly? I will actually physically um enter your body and reject <laughs> no, your soul that's bad we talked yeah. about bad magic things charlie last week Come yeah on. i'm gonna i'm still gonna do it you'll just um, make charlie really sad and you wouldn't want to do that no or really angry it yeah there's already one. enough sad and angry things in the world we don't need more of that no 
But you can find me there and talk to me about really cool things. And I don't share very cool things with you. How about you, Mikey? Um, so before we do, before I do that, I do want to give a quick shout out to our website, youngonescast.com. Our editor, Everett Christensen, is doing a really interesting series on the DC Comics superhero Prez, who I was not even aware of existed before reading this series. Uh, he is a young superhero who was the first teen president and like i said didn't know anything about him before reading everett's stuff but it's it's really interesting if you want to learn about uh more about different teen superheroes that you might not even know of uh go check us out on youngonescast.com uh but you can find me mikey on twitter at quantum dot dot uh where i tweet about uh game design uh sometimes comics and other nerd stuff video game design and tabletop role-playing. So that's that's my jam. That's what I do. So that's been The Young Ones. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And Do we have an outro? I don't got anything. Still? We don't got, don't anything. got anything. I don't got anything. No. Uh-uh. I don't got anything. The Young Ones will return in next week's podcast. Yeah. That. That will happen. But thank you. Thank you, everybody. Okay. I can't. I really can't sing an end theme from Star Wars. No. No, you can't. Anyway, bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.